0: Alright guys, I was in the middle of recording this and then things got a little hectic out in the living room, so had to podcast in the bedroom because my boyfriend's on a game, so if you hear him screaming, it's okay. It's just him and his friends and they're being jagaloons. Anyway, let's um, oh and my AC's on because it's hotter than a witch's tit outside, but um, let's get done with Jeffrey Dahmer Part Two and let's wrap a neat little bow on it. So, let's start it, shall we? If you missed anything, please go back and listen to episode one before we listen to, before you listen to episode two. So. We talked about his first victim. Talked about his second. Now we are on a man named Richard Um, Guillero, um and this was in March in nineteen eighty-eight. And Richard was twenty-two years old when him and Jeff actually met outside a bar in Milwaukee. And Jeff had offered him fifty dollars to return, um, like to return with him back to his grandma's because his grandma let him back in. Um, you know, I don't know why she just did. And Richard was like, yep. Okay. Like $50, sure. Whatever. While they were there, um, Jeff gave him alcohol, put drugs in the alcohol and then strangled him. So his same MO, nothing really changed. And then he decided to have sex with Richard's corpse, and then after he had sex with him, he actually dismembered his body. In March of 1989, he killed a man named Anthony Sears, and he was 24 years old, and Anthony was an aspiring model. And same thing like Jimmer, like how Dahmer and Richard met, um, Jeff and Anthony met out at a bar. He convinced Anthony, you know, to come back to his grandma's with him where he did the same thing. He drugged and then strangled him. And with this one, Jeff also kept some gruesome trophies from this murder. He actually kept Anthony's head and genitals because he, quote, found Anthony, he found, uh, you know, Anthony exceptionally attractive. It's kind of gross. So, um, after this crime, there was like a gap between, um, Anthony and the following victims that he, that Jeff murdered after. He didn't murder again until 1990, so like, kind of like a gap year. But, um, not because, you know, Jeff had a change of heart over here. No, this is when he only took that gap here because that's when he was sentenced to that year in jail for, um, in prison for sexually assaulting that 13 year old that we talked about in September of 1988. But we all know he only served 10 months because he was like an exceptional prisoner or whatever. So soon after he was released, uh, Jeff just picked back up and started to kill again. And that was in May of 1990 when he met a man named Raymond Smith after leaving prison Jeff actually moved into his own apartment at 924 North 25th Street in Milwaukee. I guess Grandma Dahmer was like, Jeff, love you, sweetheart, but you can't stay here because, like, you've been to jail and I'm not doing the shit. I'm not doing the shit with you. Like, I get it. Now, he didn't live in the best part of Milwaukee. He lived, like, in, like, the lower class. And it just wasn't a good neighborhood and then he soon met a 32 year old (sighs) sex worker excuse me named raymond smith jeff offered him fifty dollars to come back to his apartment with him and raymond agreed back at his apartment he did his same mo he drugged raymond and then strangled him to death and then he took photos of raymond's corpse and then he dismembered his body but he actually preserved his skull and he actually kept it next to um, anthony's remains which weird Ah. then fast forwarding to june 1990 he met a man named edward smith though jeffrey's Dahmer victims had been mostly strangers Jeff actually was acquainted with 27 with the seventh victim. So, we're on the seventh victim. He was actually acquainted with the 27 year old Edward Smith. Apparently, they'd actually been seen together at clubs before. And at Jeff's trial, Smith's brother alleged that, you know, Edward really just wanted to be Jeffrey's friend, and Jeffrey wasn't having any of it. Instead, of wanting to have a friendship jeff killed him and stashed some of his body parts in a freezer until they started to degrade and fall apart normal and then jumped to september so august he didn't kill anybody oh june so july or august he didn't kill anybody i always forget about july and i don't know why he actually killed two victims this month in this month the first was um 22-year-old Ernest Miller, and then the second person was 22-year-old David Thomas. Now, Ernest was murdered first. Unlike most of Jeffrey Dahmer's victims, who were strangled and drugged, Ernest's death was actually different. His throat was cut. Her biography, Jeff also experimented with eating parts of, Ern- of Ernest's body. So this is when he started to eat. He quote said this I was branching out, and that's when cannibalism started. Dahmer later told Inside Edition Eating the eating the eating of the heart and the arm muscle. It was a way of making me feel that my victims were a part of me. Oh my God. To that and what just I I'm I don't even know what to say to that. Like I have no idea. I have no words. And then I said oh my god to a, a chat that just popped up on my phone like what in the actual fuck. Sorry. Now, 3 weeks later, Dahmer met Thomas. So he met David and he lured him lured him back into his apartment. And he just basically returned to his original thing that he knew. He drugged and strangled them. However, he didn't choose to keep any parts of um, David's body. Then we're gonna hop to February nineteen ninety one, and this was a man named Curtis Schroeder. After a brief pause in murdering people, because Jeff killed again. This time he um, used he used his unusual trick of offering money. For nude photos of a 17 year old. Which was Curtis. And he agreed to go back to Jeff's apartment. There. Jeff did his same thing. He drug strangled. Photographed and dismembered him. And he actually kept. Various parts of his body. Both to cannibalize. And to save his trophies. 1991. Elroy. Or Erroy Lindsay. He was a 19 year old. And this one actually suffered the most agonizing death out of all the victims. He was actually kept alive. And I did think we touched base on this person a little bit. He was kept alive because, you know, that's when Dahmer brought him back to his apartment. And he drugged him. And he actually drilled a hole into his head and poured the hydrochloric acid into it. Because he wanted that zombie state-like person. But it didn't work. And... Lindsay actually woke up and was like, what happened? I have a headache. And Jeff decided to strangle him because it didn't work. His, um, another victim of, was May of 1991. And this was Anthony Hughes and the, um, the minor. Um, and his name was... Konrekak. I'm pretty sure I butchered that name so I apologize. So we'll do Anthony first. Yep. They were like I said they were co- killed, both killed in the month of May and they have um completely different stories. So he first met Anthony Hughes who was a 31-year-old and he met him at a Milky Milwaukee. I almost said Milky Way. A Milwaukee gay bar, according to the Associated Press. Anthony was deaf, and he actually agreed to go home with Dahmer, and that's when Jeff strangled and drugged him as well. Not long after, he allured that 14 year old sorry, 14 and this 14 year old boy wasn't anybody. It was actually the younger brother of the boy he assaulted back in 1988 that he served jail time for. And he actually had Anthony's body, the first victim, still on the floor. You know, he attempted to do this drilling experiment again on the 14 year old. So he injected the the hydrochloric acid into his head. But the 14, actually, the 14-year-old, you know, he managed to escape the apartment. And Jeff returned his first victim, woozy, but talking on the street. Because, like, people saw this kid was naked. Called the cops, and they did all of that. He actually convinced, like, the cops that this was his boyfriend. And he was just drunk, and they had a lover lover's quarrel and that he was instead of being 14 he was actually 19 years old and the police didn't want to get into it because you know it was a like a homosexual thing and they're like yep no i will find the video, the clip and i'll tell you or you can youtube the clip i believe it's on youtube as youtube as well um so after his drilling exp- he got away from the woman. And he tried the drilling experiment again on the 14-year-old. But I don't think it worked. Then, June of 1991, a man named Matthew Turner. He was 20 years old, and he died just like many others had. After, you know, he convinced Matthew over here to go back to his apartment, he did all of that. He then preserved some of Matthew's body parts into the freezer. Some more victims were of July of 1991, and they were Jeremiah Weinberger, Oliver Lacey, and Joseph Bradoff. In July, um, he butchered the three men. He attempted to murder a fourth in all of a two week span. Um, and he, so the boy, the men were 23 year old Jeremiah, 24 year old Oliver, and 25 year old Joseph. But on July 22nd in 1991, just days killing after after killing the last one, the last victim Joseph, his luck basically ran out because he after that he tried to lure or he did lure a man named Tracy who was 32 years old into his apartment by offering to pay him for nude photos, and this is where all hell broke loose. And I'm about to tell you why. One second. So um Jeffrey handcuffed him and threatened him. And after encounter after encountering um Tracy with Pol- Tracy. Police actually headed to the apartment to investigate. And this is where they met Jeffrey Dahmer. And they uncovered a trove of horrors. Inside his apartment were human remains, including severed heads. And he soon confessed confessed to committing 17 murders. He said the first one just occurred when he was 18. Because remember, he just got out of high school. And he said he'd slaughtered 16 more men and boys between... Um, the years 1987 and 1991. The police corroborated, you know, Jeff's gruesome crimes and he actually was held for trial. However, instead of determining guilty or innocent, this killer would actually be judged on whether he was driven, um, by insanity or he had committed an incomprehensible acts as a sane man. Now, thank God for Tracy because if Tracy wouldn't have gotten away? Honestly, I think Jeff would have done this forever. But I don't know, every serial killer gets caught. But we never really know. One second. So he actually pleaded not guilty to uh fifteen charges on murder in September or on September 15th, 19 I'm sorry, on September 10th in 1991. His first victim, um, that 18-year-old hitchhiker Stephen Hicks, had been killed in Ohio. So Jeff would actually have to return to that state to face the charges separately of Stephen Hicks. As the body of the second victim claimed um, had not been found, prosecutors in Wisconsin opted not to charge Dahmer in that instance. And then on January 13th in 1992 jeff actually changed his plea to guilty but insane this removed the need for a criminal trial meaning the court proceedings would focus on jeff's sanity the jury's decision would not need to be anonymous only 10 of 12 jurors would have to agree that jeffrey's mental state for a verdict to stand wisconsin's procedure for insanity is different in most jurisdictions including the federal courts. Brian Hobson, a partner of Odom and Davis and Hobson, explains, like on A&E, true crime. They, by, furcate their insanity proceedings. They try to defend, they try the defendant for the crime in the first proceeding with an anonymous verdict required. If they are found guilty, they they move to the insane portion of the trial where 10 out of them, 12 jurors, Siding with the defense is required. He also noted that Wisconsin deems a defendant insane if, at the time of the incident, the defendant, one, he lacks substantial capacity to appreciate the wrongfulness of their conduct, or two, lack substantial capacity to confront their conduct to the requirements of the law. The lack in the substantial capacity must be due to an underlying disease or mental. Um defect. So now we're gonna hop to the courthouse. His trial began on January thirtieth in nineteen ninety two, and people swarmed outside of Milwaukee, outside of this courthouse. There was a crowd outside the courthouse that was just made up of media. Says a person named Robin who co-authored "Grilling Dahmer" with Detective Patrick Kennedy, which I'm gonna read that book. And it was one of the policemen who actually interrogated Jeffrey at that time. But sadly, Kennedy actually passed away in 2013, but shared his notes and spoke to Robin before his death. And this was in the early 90s, so with new 24-hour cycles or like outlets, they were always looking for news to cover. And a serial killer that was, and a serial killer was on trial and there was opportunity to report on that said Robin. People were just basically waiting in line to get seats or get to as, Close as the courtroom as they possibly could. The trial also reopened local wounds. On May 27th, 1991, that 14-year-old, okay, so he didn't die. He actually escaped. Police found him on the street and he was nude and then unable to basically communicate. That's when they brought him back to Jeff's apartment and they did all of that. Nope, I'm sorry he did pass. I jumped the gun. Many were actually up many people were actually upset by at police of how it was like poorly treated and how poorly the authorities were and served people of color and gay men who basically were Jeff's victims. They were all or mainly not they were mainly colored people and gay. The tensions in the tension reflected in the courtroom and um Robin and Kennedy's book describes an eight foot bulletproof glass barrier that divided spectators from the courtroom itself. The courtroom was swept for explosives before um a crowd a crowd base basically fled in. seats were reserved for victims of uh, victims' family members as well as jeff's mother um Jeff's father and stepmother so. Now we're going to get to the trial. In the case of Dahmer, he actually admitted, uh, Jeff admitted that he knew his actions were wrong. So the question became whether he was, whether or not was he able to control himself. Psychologist Dr. Holly Schiff told A&E True Crime, by choosing to plead insanity, Jeff had the burden to prove, you know, to jurors, since 10 out of 12 must agree that he was insane them the time of the killings. In his opening statement, Gerald... Oil, representing Jeff, said, quote, his client was not an evil man. He was a sick man. He acknowledged Jeff that he acknowledged that Jeff had had sex with corpses, committed cannibalism, performed lobotomies. But he did so because he suffered from necrophilia a psychological disorder in which a person had a desire to have sex with dead bodies and that he wanted to create zombies people who would be there for him because Jeff didn't ever want to be alone The attorney also shared a bizarre obsession that Jeff had with an emperor with the emperor in return of the Jedi nothing that his client had e- had even acquired yellow contact lenses to um basically copy the character but the prosecutor you know they outlined jeff in multiple ways different and they demonstrated that he could maintain control of his behavior such as cautiously selecting his victims and always killing in a careful controlled environment and the court hearing the and glory like the court heard everything in like glo- um gory detail nothing was spared He lured potential victims to his apartment with um, promises of sex or money in exchange for photos. And then once inside, we all know he drugged the victims in the drinks, and then he would murder them. And then he also documented the process of the photographs. It even incapacitated the victims, um, and some were lobotomized. In addition to engaging in necrophilia, Dahmer had held onto body parts of trophies um, for her trophies or for him to cannibalize later so the question was was he sane or insane a large part of jeff's trial considered that testimony from um, psychologists and psychiatric people regarding his mental state witnesses for the defense described the behavior um, in their professional opinions that indicated mental illness a person named dr judith um dr judith v becker who diagnosed jeff as a um necrophiliac stated he has a mental disease and this is what drove his behavior another person named dr carl wallstrom saw jeff's desire to build a temple from um skulls he had collected as a potential as potentially delusional and a uh, psychotic another person named dr fred s berlin said jeff's behavior if this isn't mental illness from my point of view, I don't know what it is. Another doctor named George, a court-appointed psychiatric, um, said that Jeff suffered from antisocial antisocial personality disorders, but didn't find that he meant the legal definition of insanity. Experts from the prosecution painted a picture of a killer who basically controlled his behavior. And prosecutors prosecutorial witness, Dr. Parker Elliott Diaz, said that Jeff was an alcoholic, which he was. He was in the Army, and he was let go because of his drinking. He showed up to school drunk. His killings had been well-planned and deliberate. In addition, he pointed out that Jeff's condom used due to fears of contracting AIDS. In closing arguments by February 14th of that same year in 1992, Boyle said his client said, of his client, he was so impaired as he went alongside along went along this killing spree that he could not stop. He was a runaway train on a runaway train on a track of madness. The prosecution displayed the photos of his victims during the McCann's final speech. He's fooled a lot of people, please, 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 don't let him fool you. The verdict, the jurors were instructed to um, basically consider if Jeff had that mental illness or not. And if so, did this render him unable to um, conform the law? A finding of insanity would send him to prison. And should the jury declare him to be insane and incapable of control, Dahmer would actually then be sent to a state uh, institution where he could later petition for release. But on February 15th in 1992... Ten out of them, twelve jurors found Jeffrey was not mentally ill, as Jeff had been determined, as Jeff had not been determined insane, and the question of um, his ability to control himself did not need to be decided. His crimes were organized, premeditated, and he chose his victims carefully," said Doctor Ship. He was thoughtful when he came to storing his body parts in his refrigerator as he planned to eat them later. He targeted men who did not have a car since he knew that missing persons could be traced through automobiles. Someone who is insane does not have the the ability to plan ahead and have that forethought and organization to commit these acts. So, what was... Jeff sentence he after the verdict he um had that oppor- Jeff like many killers or whatever you do had the opportunity to speak when Jeff was allowed to address the court it was pin drop quiet as this was the first time anybody in that courtroom would hear from the man who killed 17 men and they would hear from him right away Jeff, quote, said this. He told the court, quote, I wanted to find out just what it was that caused me to be so bad and evil. The doctors have told me about my sickness, and now I have some peace. Judge Lawrence C. Graham sentenced Dahmer to 15 consecutive life sentences. Jeff was sub subsequently tried for a murder in Ohio, and he was found guilty and he actually received another life sentence. Um, but he his time in prison, it wasn't so good. Um, inmates did not like him. Um, obviously, one, because you killed children and you're just a disgusting human being. And um, when he would eat, inmates would say that he would shape his food as dead bodies, and they just didn't like that. So, but it's okay, because remember what I said. He actually got what was coming to him, because on November 28th in 1994, Jeff was actually beaten to death by a fellow inmate at Wisconsin's Columbia Correctional Institute. The inmate was um, a man named Christopher Scarver, and he claimed that Jeff had been taunting fellow inmates with his, you know, cannibalistic infatuation. Um, and then I believe, um, the per, the inmate who killed Jeff actually killed the other person as well. And you can't tell me what, I, no one can tell me this, but he definitely was, it was, the guards knew. It. it was this, they were like, yep, set up, we're doing it. And they basically left him in the room. But guys, that, um, that wraps up Jeffrey Dahmer over there. And, uh, yeah. The end.